Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in John chapter 7 this morning. We've been uh, studying through the Gospel of John, and it brings us to chapter 7 this morning. Uh, Jeremy, as we as we pick up here in chapter 7, I think, obviously, we've talked a lot about how John approaches his writing of the Gospel and the unique style that he uses as compared to some of the other, the other Gospels. One of the things that I really like about his style, even though it's not the longest Gospel, he includes these little details here and there as he goes throughout uh, Jesus' life that I think really shed a lot of light on some of the challenges that Jesus was dealing with. And I think some of those come to light here in chapter 7 as, as we begin. He, we know that Jesus is someone who's been constantly rejected. We understand that. Uh, but he gives us some insight into just the depth in which that rejection went. And I couldn't help but think as I was reading through this, just the the mental and emotional toll that this had to have taken on him. You know, Jesus was not some, he, he lived as a human. I mean, he had the emotions that you and I have. Uh, and and to, to be rejected in such a way as, as this, as John kind of begins chapter 7 with, I wonder sometimes just the toll that that must have taken on him and the effect that that must have had on him. And yet, as we're going to talk about this morning, he's, he's able in some way to put that behind him and continue doing the work that God had for him to do. But that, that really struck me as we begin chapter 7. You know, it's, you know, it's interesting. We've talked a lot about, as we've gone through the Gospel of John, I mean, the thematic piece of John is belief. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, a big piece of what it's all about. He makes mention of it. We've talked about it. John himself, the writer, he makes mention of it at the very end of his Gospel. Basically, th- this is why I wrote the gospel yeah. so that you can believe. And, and and he puts that in there at the very end. But then if you kind of have that in your mind, you're able to see that theme weave throughout the entirety of the gospel, I, I believe that we'll be able to see. But mm-hmm. most certainly here in the first six chapters. And as I was rereading chapter 7, almost from where we were in, in John 1 to where we, we are now in John 7, it is not just in all of the great and incredible blessings that come with belief in Jesus and who he is, but even as you made mention, the great contrast between those who believe and those who don't believe. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking for it, you really don't have to look very hard. Yeah. I mean, John is playing that out, you know, in, in his in his gospel. I mean, you have, you know, chapters 3 and 4 with Nicodemus and the, the woman at the well and, and belief in who Jesus is. I mean, certainly comes, you know, to the forefront. But then you get to chapter 5 and, you know, he heals a, a man on the Sabbath day. I, I believe that's going to come back into play mm-hmm. at the end of this chapter. Mm-hmm. And now you have the now the contrast of those who, who don't believe in who he is. And, and, and as you made mention, the, the issues that come with that. And then you come to chapter 6 and you get you know both sides of those things where you have the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 him teaching then about um, you know the importance of his living flesh almost like Mm -hmm. he talked about the living water with the woman at the well those that struggled with that and and John there in chapter 6 tells us that you know there was a time that many people just left didn't didn't believe anymore they left and they walked away and then to the end of chapter 6 you have that incredible interaction with 
with Jesus and his disciples, his closest disciples, the apostles there, and, and comes out point blank. I mean, who, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter gives that great confession and, and showcases his belief. And then, you know, that transfers right back now to, you know, chapter 7, where, you know, Jesus' closest followers have showcased their belief. But, mm-hmm. you know, chapter 7, John gives us what we would think is his closest relationship, physical relationship, people, his own brothers. Mm-hmm. And John will begin chapter 7 with the fact that they don't, they don't believe in him. Yeah. And then chapter 7 really culminates in this back and forth between those that believe and those that don't. And, and ultimately, those that don't cause prob- big problem for Jesus. And we really see that beginning in chapter 6. And, and it just simply isn't going to go away. Yeah. I mean, the, re- the entirety of the rest of the Gospel of John is just not going to go away. But it is that incredible contrast mm-hmm. between those two things that's going to certainly come to the forefront again in chapter 7. Yeah, and as you were talking about that, one of the things that stood out out to me reading this is, is not only did they not believe, but they were using that to mock him yeah. and to try and embarrass him. And then, and then those who were actually out there try to kill him. I mean, it wasn't just this, yeah, I'm not buying that. And you move on. No, they were using it to, to mock him and to call him out and to single him out and then ultimately trying to harm him. I mean, this was deep-seated within people. They Not just they didn't believe, but they hated him for what he was proclaiming to be. And and that level of of hatred that was being shown towards Jesus by those who know him and those who don't, I I can't even imagine what that must have been like as a a man to, to experience such a thing. And then for it to be, in this instance, from those closest to you, I mean, I just, I can't, I can't imagine what he must have been going through. And yet, as I mentioned earlier, his ability to see that, experience that, and then yet still have compassion for these people and, and still try and turn around with the things that they're saying and use those things as a teaching tool to try and reach out to them. You know, his, his ability to do that is, is unlike anything I've ever seen. And it's, it's something that I think gives me a, a lot of confidence to be able to do something similar. I, I, don't, I don't experience the same type of hatred that, that Jesus did. But I think all of us, if, if we're religious and open about that at all, you know, we've experienced kind of the cold shoulder in some regards into how people are going to, to react to that. Um, and I think sometimes the, the natural inclination is to just kind of, you know, all right, well, never mind, I'm not going to worry about this person, and you move on, as opposed to maybe taking a step back from that and, and trying to use some of the things that they say to, to reach out to them and actually connect with them on some level and, and truly have compassion for them, because you never know what may come of that. And, and Jesus is just the ultimate example of somebody who, could able, who was able to do that. Yeah, it's not just his care and compassion, but also his patience really yeah. On, yeah. on show here in chapter 7. I mean, you have all of these people, and you're right, it's not just that they're just turning their back on him, but I mean, they're at, they're actively seeking to kill him, to harm him. They mock him. I mean, openly mock him and make fun of him in, in lots of different ways. And, and yet, chapter 7, most of chapter 7 is Jesus teaching, mm-hmm. and he's teaching all these folks. And it, it's almost you know, one thing after another, he, he gives them something to think about that they can't or won't think about it as deeply as he needs them to. Mm-hmm. And so he gives them something else yeah. and they can't or won't think about it as deeply as they needed to. And so he gives them something else. I mean, that's what chapter seven is, is Jesus 
continually feeding these folks important things. And you're right, the easy thing would be for him to say, listen, I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm moving on. But yet you do see the care, the compassion, the love, the patience on display, even for these people who are openly, you know, trying to come after him. But yet he still is here teaching because he ultimately knows that's the one thing that's going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. Application for us, that's where our focus has to be. Yeah. Is it going to go badly for us sometimes? Maybe. Are people going to not want to have any interest in talking to us about spiritual things? Yeah, for sure. That's That's going to happen. But if we stay focused on just how important the gospel is, Mm -hmm. we're going to find different ways to get it out there. And uh, it takes care, it takes compassion, it takes patience. Mm -hmm. And where do we learn all those things? Right here in John chapter 7. And any picture of Jesus, how do we learn more about that? As you look to Jesus and ultimately, as we're trying to be more like him, man, we can learn those things from him for sure. Yeah, and and Jesus and, and the gospel which he brought... It, it, it's amazing how it can be both unifying and divisive oh, yeah. at the same time. And I, I think Jesus and, and the picture we get here in John chapter 7 is a, is a great picture of that. Because obviously Jesus wants everyone to come to him, everyone to believe in him, everyone to be unified in him. You know, we just finished our study a few weeks ago in Romans, and Paul talked about the unity that can be found in the gospel, even amongst the differences that the, the people in Rome were experiencing. That, that can all be found in Christ. And yet John chapter 7 is a great example of, of the divisiveness that can also come through that. Right. Because there are a lot of people who do believe in Christ at this time and believe in who he is. And there's some people who aren't sure yet. And there's some people that hate him and want to kill him. So you just you see how it can span the, the entire spectrum. And it's just kind of, I mean, there are a couple of moments when reading through this chapter, you almost chuckle a little bit because there's some people looking around like, I'm not exactly sure what to do here. Yeah. I don't know oh, what yeah. to do with this guy. <laughs> and then there's people who are devoted to him, and there are people who want, him, who want to kill him. And it's just amazing how <clears throat> the same Christ who can unify a group of people it can also divide people in such a, a, a in such a, a tragic way, really. But really, what it comes back to is, I think, what you were talking about. Everyone has the choice. Everyone is being given the choice. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to believe in him? Are you going to believe in the one who sent him? Are you going to believe in the message that he's bringing to you? Or are you going to reject him? You have that choice. And, and Jesus has always been a figure throughout history that people are going to respond to very emotionally and very strongly. Because when you believe in Christ and you recognize what he did for you, you're all in. That's an extremely powerful thing. And when you're on the other side of that, it's also an extremely emotional time. And we see that here in John chapter 7. And I think it really shouldn't surprise us then that we see the very same thing today. That people react very strongly to the message of Christ, one way or the other, right? He has always elicited a very emotional response from people. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, not to go to the very end, but I mean, even at the very end of this chapter, in chapter seven and verse forty-three, you know, John the writer tells us there was a division among the people, mm-hmm. and then he tells us why there was a division among the people because of him, because of Jesus, and the way that he taught, the things that he said. The things that he did. I mean, we made mention in chapter 5 when he heals that man on the Sabbath. That's going to kind of rear its head again, Mm -hmm. and he'll he'll do some teaching on that. 
But John will make the point that there, there's a division among the people. And the, what is dividing the people is mm-hmm. Jesus. And it yep. was the case then. And it's going to continue to be the case today. And, and I think you're right. It, it is that one side or the other. And normally is going to be an extreme reaction to that mm-hmm. one way or the other. So we've got to be prepared for that in some way. And Jesus, again, handles all of that. Listen, he knows he, he knows of this division. He knows that people are after him. I mean, mm-hmm. he kind of goes about things in a little bit of a secret way here at the beginning because there are so many people out for him. And now he is here in chapter 7 in a very populous area in Jerusalem at the time of one of the you know feast days for the Jews. There are lots and lots of people in town. And Jesus knows that. And yeah. you know he doesn't certainly want to be a distraction, but there's still teaching that needs to take place. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that certainly is going to take the precedence. It is. And, you know, I made note up in in verse number 7, and then, again, we see it down in this section in verses 21 through 24 that you referenced earlier about how some people are still looking back to the miracle that he performed uh, there by healing the man on the Sabbath. And one of the things that stood out to me, you know, Jesus says there in verse number 7, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. And then he's going to go on to talk about how his authority really comes from God. Right. And I think what he's the picture that he's trying to paint is one that I think gives us a lot of strength and courage today. And it's one he'll reference again in John chapter 15. Um, it even I even made note that it even is a, a kind of a principle that shows itself in 1 Samuel chapter 8. There, there has always been a truth that exists that when you're proclaiming the message of God and that strong emotional reaction is elicited in a negative way, we have to be able to recognize that it's not us that they're getting mad at. It's not us that they hate. Now, we may be the one that they're taking it out on. Sure, We may be that, we may be that for them. But it, it's the message that God, it's the message of God and, and the one that he brings to the world that is eliciting that strong reaction. And that hatred is really directed at him. And even Jesus recognized that. He's here by God's authority. The words that he's proclaiming are God's. And therefore, I think that does help him, and I think it helps us today to recognize that if we're being evangelistic, if we're trying to take the message of the gospel to the world, and we get those negative reactions from people, to realize that maybe it's some ways it's inevitable we're going to feel some of that but more than anything we need to recognize that they're rejecting god right and it's our responsibility to try and take that message to them as best we can but at the end of the day if they reject that they're rejecting god because it's his gospel that we're bringing it's by his authority that we're doing that and jesus was in the same boat and i think he expresses that a couple of different times throughout his ministry uh and and i think it's a good principle for for us to apply today as as god's mouthpiece in the world yeah i mean it's interesting as you go through and you study not just i think you know the gospel of john but probably all of the gospels kind of bear this out is that when when, when jesus is the center of uh, of the attention when jesus is the the 
piece of conversation, Jesus demands a choice. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not like, you know, do you want chicken for dinner? And, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it could be yes or it could be no. Or, I mean, it could be I, I don't care what we have for dinner. I mean, those yeah. are all viable kinds of answers. Yeah. But with Jesus, th- there's just two viable answers. There is a demand for a choice. You're either going to believe in him and accept him or you're not. And you're going to reject him. And there's just no middle ground. And I think that's where a lot of the emotion comes from and everything. And, and ultimately, it, I find it interesting that Jesus is even taking people to the very edge of a choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is as God could force people mm-hmm. by their own, by, against their will, yeah. you know, to accept who he is. But he just takes people, you know, to the very edge of making a choice. And we saw that at the end of chapter six with that very famous passage between him and his disciples there with Peter. And basically it, it is that. Mm-hmm. He, he tells them, listen, you got to make a choice. Everybody else has gone away. And he asks them the question, do you also want to go away? You've got to make a choice. Now that they make the right choice here, or, you know, where else are we going to go? Right. They understand to them, there's only one choice, and that's Jesus. But ultimately, here in John chapter 7, especially even in that text that you made reference to, really from you know verses 16 down to verse 24, where he makes the point that, listen, the doctrine, the teaching that I have is coming from God, mm-hmm. and you're going to accept that or you're not. I mean, just like with Moses, Moses' teaching came from God. You're going to accept that or you're not. You're going to follow it or you're not. Now, he kind of jabs at him a little bit and makes the point, you're really not even following what Moses right. you know, had written. So. Yeah. But it is still that you have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. I'm from God. What I'm saying is from God. And because of that, it elicits a choice. And Jesus, man, he does his best to give them everything they need to make mm-hmm. the right choice. But ultimately, it still comes down to them making the choice. I really think a lot of times, a lot of times people will do everything they can to try and prevent themselves from having to make that choice. And I I almost wonder if that's not what's happening here. You know, these these people are completely, they're getting hung up on the Sabbath. Right. You know, and Jesus is trying to get them past that. But but that's that's their way of of putting that decision off just a little bit. Let's talk about the Sabbath. You know, let's talk about that. Well, let's talk about the rules that are around the Sabbath day. Can you really do what you're doing? And I, I see that today a lot where, you know, people want to talk about the specifics of, you know, what you're doing here, what you're doing there. They want to, you know, wordsmith certain things. Not that those things aren't important. Just like not, it wasn't that understanding the Sabbath wasn't important. Right. It was. But it also gave them a reason not to deal with the real decision that was at hand. Yeah. Who is this guy? <laughs> who is yeah. he? You know, you listen, you, you've seen what he's done. So who is he? May, you know, what are you going to say? Well, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about, you know, it's, yeah. this, it's this safety net that can be thrown out there from time to time that tries to prevent us from having to come face to face with that decision that we know we don't want to answer right now. And I think that's what was happening here, and it happens today, all the time. I mean, people, some people, sadly, I think, live their entire lives trying to keep that decision at bay instead of recognizing the importance of coming face-to-face with that and making the decision on what you're going to do with Christ. And that's what Christ is trying to get them to see. 
And I think that's a lot of times we see him from time to time even. Some of the questions that are thrown at him, he's just not even going to answer. It's not even worth his time because he sees that's exactly what they're doing. They're just trying to throw as much stuff in there as they can to make it as convoluted as possible. And so he's constantly trying to cut through that and get them to that point where, hey, you have a decision to make. Who am I and what are you going to do about that? And I think we face that same challenge in the world today uh, of trying to cut through some of this other stuff that's being thrown in our way and try and help people come face to face with the decision about what you're going to do with Jesus. I mean, you see Jesus here walking him through, you know, certainly some things. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, we talked about it with Nicodemus and we saw him kind of walking, you know, Nicodemus through some things, even though Nicodemus was kind of on board with wanting mm-hmm. to learn. And he, he does the same thing with the Samaritan woman, kind of walks her through some things. But again, she was there wanting to learn. He took the people there in John chapter 6, walked them mm-hmm. through some things. There were probably some there that wanted to learn, but I think the text tells us that most of them were there just to get free food. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. the reason that most of them were there. But yet he's still doing that. He's still taking them, you know, on that journey to be able to get them to the best spot. And he does that here with the contentious crowd. Mm-hmm. He's still walking them through mm-hmm. so that they can get to a place to, to make the best possible decision. And just the patience and the care and the love that it takes to do that is it's it's astonishing. Because you're right, every time he says something, they deflect. I mean, mm-hmm. he talks about where he's from, that he's from God, and that has an authority with what he says. He gets to, you know, verse 32 through 36, and he makes the point that, you know, I'm only going to be here for a little while, and then, you know, then I'm going to go. And they take that, and they're like, well, where are you going to go? You're going to run away to the Greeks? I mean, and, you know, they deflect into that direction. And, I mean, he just constantly is reeling, you know, people back to where they need to be to ultimately make that decision. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, our whole half hour is centered around, you know, that, you know, idea today is that, you know, that's what God's Word does. Yeah. That's what we are to do as teachers of the gospel is to get people to the very best place that they can in order to make the decision about Jesus. And he's doing it directly about himself even right here. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier. I think it's worth mentioning again as as best we can, we we have to have the compassion and the patience that Jesus had in those situations, because that is not typically going to be a one conversation right. Right. situation. You're going to have to work with people on this, and I think you know we can see it here, but we can see it in, in the world today. There are a lot of obstacles that people have to overcome to to really come face-to-face and recognize Jesus as the Messiah. There, there are a lot of obstacles that people have to overcome, whether it's, it's things in their lives, things in their families' lives, things in their environment. I mean, there, there are just a lot of obstacles that people are going to have to overcome. And even in this day and time, you know, I mean, the Pharisees, they had dedicated their lives to the old law. And they come from an entire lineage of people who had dedicated their lives to studying the old law. They even called Jesus out for that as he's as he's doing some of his teaching here. He's like, how's this guy doing this? He hasn't done any of the studying that we have. Right. You know, I mean, they, they have, have so much dedicated themselves to this. And now what Jesus is coming and, and teaching is challenging them on what has really, in a lot of ways, defined who they are. And so Jesus, I think, again, he recognized that, and he, he addressed them with, with patience and compassion. But we've got to do the same thing today. 
You know, if we're talking to someone, for instance, if there are people who have grown up in one denomination or another, and we want to perhaps talk to them about that, maybe even challenge some of their beliefs, we need to do so recognizing this is going to be tough. Right. This is really going to be tough because there are a lot of things that perhaps have been ingrained in people for a long time that we may be asking them to challenge. Right. That's not going to be easy for them to do. It wouldn't be easy if somebody did that to me. Yeah. It would be a challenge for me. And so I would want someone to have compassion and patience with me and help walk me through that process. And I think that's exactly what we see Jesus doing here. He has that patience. He has that compassion. But he has that while also being very motivated and very driven to get them where he wants them to go. And that, that is a great lesson for, for us as teachers today. Well, there's a goal. I mean, there's a goal in mind. And even in this text in John 7, even Jesus has a goal. Yeah. It almost comes across as a very similar goal to the woman at the well in John chapter 4 because yeah. he uses living water both uh-huh. times. But mm-hmm. he, he still has a goal in mind, even in the ridiculous kind of deflection of conversation that happens here he still has a goal in mind, and he gets there. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- that ultimately is the key. I mean, he has that goal in mind, and he gets there. And he, he tells them there, you know, there in verse 37, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes mm-hmm. in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of water. And, and, and living, living water, he says. And so mm-hmm. this is ultimately where he wants them to get. And a lot of times, listen, he's here. Now a decision's got to be made. Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 it is a great lesson for us to still have that goal in mind. And I think you make a great point. Most of that isn't going to happen in one conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen in a, in a five or ten minute or even a half hour conversation with somebody. It is so important to make sure the care, the compassion, the patience, the goals are all in line and then to get the person to where they need to be. And that's what we see from Jesus in John 7. And ultimately, it's the same thing that we've got to do today. Yeah, you were, you were just referencing there in uh, verse number 37 and 38 where you know he kind of uses some of that same imagery that he's used in the past. It's interesting here that, that John then follows that up, verses 39, kind of elaborating a little bit on what Jesus is talking about there. He says there in verse 39, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And I found that really interesting because, you know, obviously we can go into the book of Acts and we can see how uh, the Holy Spirit was given to those who believed as a fulfillment of what Jesus promised while he was on earth. And we can see the impact that that had in the teaching and the ability to kind of lift the veil, so to speak, on the mystery of the gospel. But here, as John writes this, I think it's interesting to try and put myself in the shoes of those who were at the feet of Jesus at this time, there was something more to come. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we we live in a a day and time in which we have the entirety of the gospel revealed to us. It's all right here. The people Jesus was talking to, they couldn't turn back to Matthew and say, hey, let me check and see if this lines up. Or, you know, let's go over to Ephesians and see if if this lines up with what's being said. They didn't have any of that. Right. 
And, and all of this, and so I, I think when I look at this, I think to myself, like, the challenge that, it, that faced these people in a lot of ways is even greater than the challenge that we face today, which makes me then go back to the fact that Jesus' task as a teacher was much greater then than ours is today because we have the entire mystery revealed to us that we can read in its entirety. And these people didn't have the benefit of that. Right. And so the, the difficulty that Jesus faced as a teacher and the difficulty that these people faced as those hearing Jesus was so much greater because of what John points out here, that there was more to come. And we, today, we have the benefit of being able to recognize what he was talking about there. I really, I, I, it, I find it interesting at the very end of this chapter, especially from, you know, verses 40 through 44, where you almost get, you know, the sense that, you know, these folks are starting maybe to put some things together, but it's still pretty lazy in the way that they're thinking. When you know, we're told there in verses 40 through 44 that, you know, a lot of people said, you know, this is the prophet. And then others said, you know, this is the Christ. And, you know, and then you have others said, well, no, 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 it can't be the Christ because the Christ is going to come out of Galilee. Mm -hmm. he, he's going to come out of the city of David, out of Bethlehem. And, you know, this guy's from Galilee. And, you know, I sit here and I read that and I'm thinking, well, why don't you ask him yeah. where he was born? Just, <laughs> just ask him, hey, where, where were you born? And he's going to say, I was born in Bethlehem. And then we can start, you know, piecing some of these things together. But you almost see, I mean, they have all of the information that they need. Yeah. And that's where Jesus is a lot. He's like, yeah. listen, piece together the Old Testament. You shouldn't be surprised about all these things. But they're just not able to put all those pieces together. And in a lot of ways, that's what we have today. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, you made the point. We've got everything that we need right here. And it, it pieces together nicely. But people are going to piece it together. They're not. Yeah. You know, they're going to come up with that you know, answer. They're not. I think God's Word puts us in a position to make a, a very educated, logical, faith-based choice about God and our relationship with them. And we've just got to get it to people mm -hmm. so that they can put those pieces together. Together. And that's what Jesus has done. Do they put all the pieces together? They don't. There's a huge division here. The end of the chapter, I mean, in our yeah. last 30 seconds, I mean, they, they don't even know what to do with them. I mean, yeah. it just, it's a big argument on even what to do, what to do with them at all. I mean, they don't know what to do. Certainly yeah. the Sanhedrin don't. They're like, maybe I want to get a hold of him, but like, maybe I don't. I mean, you just see this incredible back and forth, and that really may be full circle for, you know, these people just, they don't even know what they don't know what to say about him yeah. but yet he's given them everything that they need but they're just not willing to take that other that last step really yeah we'll go ahead and, and wrap things up there and we'll get into to chapter eight next week we want to take just a moment to thank everyone for uh taking some time out of your day to to study along with us hopefully this has given you some things to think about uh, as you do some studying on your own. So thank you for, for taking the time to do that with us. If you're ever in the area and looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you come and visit with us. Uh, we meet on the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We have Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., followed by worship at 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. And Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, we have Bible classes then as well. So please come and join us for any of those that you can. So thanks again for your time, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.